0: Welcome to the Virginia Beach Potter's House Sermon Podcast. We're doing something a little different this week. We'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference held at the Door Church in San Antonio, Texas, pastored by Richard Ruby. We're sure these powerful messages will bless your life and help you live for God. And we'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless.
1: Glory to God. If you have your Bible with you, Acts chapter 1... I do, uh, again, want to uh, just, you know, I was um, up here last night for the song service. It was the first time I'd been up here during a, uh, sorry, for the offering last night. It was the first time I'd been up here since, you know, for, for ministering. And uh, I was telling Pastor Ruby last night, it just felt majestic. Um, it felt, the, the building is so beautiful. It's it's just absolutely amazing and it almost feels like we don't belong here because it's so uh, hear me out it almost you know because I know where I come from you know and uh, to to have the privilege to be able to stand up here and minister um, absolutely just mind-blowing I felt like Isaiah amen woe is me uh, I just felt unclean uh, you know just because of how powerful the presence of God was last night, amen. And so I don't take this lightly. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. I know Pastor Ruby has plenty of amazing men that he can pick from. And I'm always honored to be able to minister behind his pulpit. It is a big, big privilege for me. Especially to ministering men to my home church. You guys are amazing, amen, I love you guys, uh, and I don't know how you do it year after year to keep investing in men, uh, couples, when we first come in, my Lord, <laughs> amen, but you, you work with us, you love us, and then you send us out when you can't stand us anymore, no, I'm playing, <laughs> I know you don't do that, amen, I really love you guys, amen, thank you uh, for just the spirit of excellence and everything that you do. Uh, amen, it means a lot to us pioneers, amen, to us pastors. Acts 1, 12 uh, through 26, in just a minute, I preached this in my church, and I had I had it up for a day, so hopefully you didn't see it, but I had a number of people telling me you should take it down and preach it at conference, and so if you did hear it, uh, amen, uh, You, I think Joe Auburn is going to be his third time hearing it, uh, but uh, if you already heard it, then just act like you haven't. Amen, and help the rest of us, amen, that have not. So I read an article called Quiet Quitters, and how quiet quitters are costing companies money and harming the morale of existing employees. The article said, are there quiet quitters at your firm? When employees stop putting forth significant effort towards their jobs and just do the bare minimum of work to get by, they are quiet quitting a term that has gained quite a bit of traction recently. This trending mindset is now impacting companies throughout the United States, human resources, professionals indicated uh, to Fox News. And I want to preach on how this isn't true just for businesses, but this is also true for the church. I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled, entitled Quiet Quitters. A little background here on the text before I read it. We're going to read about a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. He has betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They, they come and arrest Jesus, and then they crucify him. Jesus then appears. I'm talking about now the text that I'm about to read. He appears to the apostles. He spends about 40 days with them. And after his crucifixion, then they see him ascend Into heaven, and this is what we're going to pick up. Peter stands up in the upper room and he speaks to the rest of the apostles. Um, He uh, ministers to the 120, and this is what we're going to pick up. We are going to look at how Judas quit quietly way before he betrayed Jesus. Acts 1, beginning in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas. Who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong. He burst open in the middle of all his entrails uh, and they gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language. uh, Akeel. Dhamma, that is a field of blood, verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. And therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection and they proposed to joseph called barsabas um, who was surnamed justice and matthias um, and they prayed and said "O lord who uh, know the heart of all show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which judas by transgression fell that he might Go on his own place, or go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Quiet quitters. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this. Father, uh, amazing, God, conference. God, thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that I would... Be able to add, Lord, to what has already been ministered, my God. The Lord anoint me, God, to preach your word, God. Um, Let hearts be touched this morning, God. Delivered, healed, and set free. In the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor uh, Warner was talking about my first point yesterday, but my first point is called the dream team, or the inner circle of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry us pertains to the apostles it pertains to the 120 um this was an elite group an elite group of men that jesus christ had picked he picked them himself to spread his gospel around the world and peter says to judas or peter says judas was numbered with us can you imagine being part of that first group Those first 12 disciples that then became apostles, being able to walk with the Son of God. This was an elite team. It was a dream team. We know that in 1992, there was an Olympic dream team. And this was a very powerful team. It consisted of Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Clyde Drexter, Scotty Pippen, and Chris Mullin. This was a, an elite team for the NBA. And this is what I'm talking about. So th- I'm talking about a team that had been picked by the very hand of God to spread the gospel. Judas Iscariot was part of it. He was a part of the Apostle Dream Team, if you would. He was part, a part of Jesus' inner circle. That means he ate with him. He traveled with him. He prayed with him. He laid his head to rest with him. The definition of an inner circle, an exclusive group close to the center of power of an organization or movement, regarded uh, as elitist and secretive, a small group of people who lead a government or an organization or who are close to its leader. See, for Jesus to have handpicked you to be a part of this team, to be a part of this inner circle is absolutely amazing, especially when you think about where Judas Iscariot came from. He came from a small, tiny little town called Keroeth. All the other disciples came from Galilee. In other words, Judas was brought out of obscurity. They would have looked down on him, unknowing that he was from this small town. And yet he was handpicked by Jesus. I'm sure Jesus saw some qualities, uh, some strengths, and some potential. And Judas that others didn't see in him and maybe he didn't even see it in himself One thing we do know though and we know this for sure is that nobody knew who Judas was before He started following Jesus Nobody knew who any of these 12 men were Jesus made these 12 men powerful and renowned If we were to be honest this morning, the same is true for me and you No one knew who we were before salvation if they did it was probably only because of something bad (laughs) let's be honest most of us didn't start to experience blessing until after salvation we all had plenty of opportunities right before we got saved all of us had great opportunities but most of us did nothing with them. all of us have had family members and friends that were given incredible opportunities in life, and some of them even handed down fortunes, but they couldn't hold on to it. They couldn't hold on to their marriages. They couldn't hold on to their children. They couldn't hang, hold on to, to fortunes. They wasted everything that was put into their hands. And yet, here we stand this morning... In the inner circle of God's house, part of a dream team called our fellowship, uh, in our right minds um, and on our way to heaven. Amen. So let's look at how far a man can fall. You think about Judas reaching this pinnacle of ministry and yet we read a different ending. I want to look at how far a man can fall when he places his trust on the empty promises of this world. Look at verse 18. Now, this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Let me ask you a question this morning. How do you go from being part of the first 12 disciples of Jesus Christ to betraying him for 30 pieces of silver? Remember, it was Peter that said that, Lord, we have left all to follow you. But as we read, uh, we understand that Judas never left all. And the reason is because Judas was an opportunist. He never really followed Christ wholeheartedly. And as a result, he waited for the right opportunity to sell Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 26, 14 and 15. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. He started off strong, but somewhere along the way, Judas became a follower of Jesus Christ only by association. In other words, what he could benefit from it. This tells me that you can walk with holy people, be in holy places like conference, and not even be a part of it in your heart. That somewhere along the way, Judas began to drift and quit quietly. Here's the thing. It's not the drift you have to worry about. It's the sudden fall. It's when you've drifted so far that you don't even realize how cold and how far you are from Jesus. You know what the truth is? The truth is that we never know what's inside of the heart of a man, do we? And just because you associate with Jesus and our fellowship doesn't mean that your heart is right. Jeremiah 17:9, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One of our disciples uh, in the concert, uh, he uh, used an illustration. And uh, and so, man, it was so good, I told him I was going to steal it from him. And so he talked about, in 1963, how people were drawn to the Bronx Zoo. Articles began to come out all over America. You have to come and see this. The most dangerous animal in the world is what they were promoting. People couldn't wait to get there. The lines were huge. Uh, the attendance was large. They could not wait to get to this cage where they would be able to look through the bars and see the most dangerous animal in their minds. Uh, they were thinking, you know, maybe this was uh, the most venomous snake um, or a spider or maybe even a gorilla. But what they saw instead is they saw this. They had mirrors behind the bars, and as they looked in, they saw themselves. Listen, you are still the most dangerous person to yourself. Humanity is wicked without Jesus. Without the will of God, as uh, Pastor Wakefield ministered this morning, you're left to yourself. And it's possible to come to church, it's possible to even come to this conference and you say prayers, you're listening to the sermons, um, but inside you are spiritually dead. And I believe Judas fell because he had a divided heart. His mind was on what he might gain rather than what he could give. If you would have asked Judas Iscariot when he first got saved, or if you would have just told him, hey, in three years time, you're going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He would have said, bro, you've lost your mind. I'm never going to do that. But in just three years, he's drifted so far that he sells his savior for 30 pieces of silver. He started strong, but he finished wrong. And you know what happens to people when they begin to quit quietly? Is that it begins to, you know, because it's a spirit, it begins to affect the church. It begins to affect the morale of the church. Your friends, your inner circles. When people quit quietly, they begin to withdraw. This is what the article was about. The the morale of of a business begins to change. It begins to shift. Look at verse 16. This is Peter He's having to encourage, because of the effect of one person, men and brethren. This scripture had to be fulfilled. They're all discouraged. You can just imagine what's going on in this room, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. You have to understand that these men they they loved the Judas, and Peter's having to speak words of reality and encouragement to the rest of the apostles, no doubt, they were discouraged after seeing him betray Jesus and then seeing Jesus be crucified. See, this tells me that we're all capable of reaching our peak with Jesus, then backtracking and slipping uh, slipping into lukewarmness. And the problem again, it would be cool if it didn't affect anybody, but that's not reality. It discourages others. A, a spirit begins to spread within a church. One person can change the morale of an entire church. John 21.3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. One person. It starts off simple. You stop coming to morning prayer. You stop coming to Sunday school. You stop coming to concerts. It's just the music's too loud. It wasn't too loud when you were in the clubs. <laughs> you could be a pastor who's drifting. You no longer come to the mother church events. Before you know it, people start following your lead. And I'm not sure how this happens. But if we're not careful, our kids can become more faithful and on fire than we are. They start having stronger convictions than you do. They start being more faithful. They're serving in the parking lots, in the hallways, in the nurseries.
0: of Chandler conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below.
1: Thanks. The article says quiet quitters change the morale. It talks about how others have to pick up the slack to continue to meet the same quota when people quit quietly. It says there are many reasons that quiet quitting may be continuing and even ballooning in the U S one is that many companies are operating with the same productivity expectations. But leaner teams. I want you to think about COVID, how a lot of the people that used to serve before COVID aren't serving anymore. As a result, she said, some employees don't feel appreciated or compensated properly. With the great resignation um, and now waves of layoffs, uh, R- Rosencrantz said, many open roles weren't filled, yet that doesn't mean the work disappeared. She also said, instead, the remaining staff have taken on that burden and are losing patience with doing more without the salary to compensate for it. The drop in productivity due to quiet quitting has an impact on American businesses, uh, reduced productivity, a negative impact on morale and engagement uh, and the need for HR teams to become involved and potentially for an additional staff to be hired to fill production gas all are all unwelcome consequences of today's quiet quitting Let's let's bring that home now Because this is this isn't only true or happening in the workplace, but it's happening in our churches You can be quiet quitting No one even knows it Just like no one knew that it was Judas that was going to betray Jesus Listen, when when Jesus said, one of you is gonna betray me, they all said, is it I? Nobody, there wasn't even a hint. Nobody looked at Judas and said, yes, it's him, we know it's him, no. He had quit and nobody knew. See, when you reach this point, you no longer want to be the only one pushing and contending and serving. Like I said, you stop coming to concerts, you no longer want to be in plays, you no longer wanting to serve in any events and revivals and conference and boot camps. The article talks about certain people that have to hold everything together because others don't want to work. Beloved, this can become exhausting. There are people here, God has called you to be a leader. God has called you to be an example of constantly humbling yourself, of constantly being the mature person. You are our example, but if you're not careful, you can be tired of that. I don't want to carry that cross anymore. Why do I always have to be the one that's mature? It's exhausting. And it's right here where many begin to betray Jesus for the things of this world. You know, as a pastor, especially after the pandemic, you have to constantly be convincing people that Jesus is the right and the most exciting thing uh, in life. And you know what's happening is pastors are becoming cheerleaders uh, in today's church. I was talking to a pastor the other day. He's like, man, I'm just getting back to preaching a little hard in my church. So that tells me that for over a year, he's been a cheerleader. He's just been giving you happy juice because you're so sensitive now after the pandemic. We have to now encourage staff to keep their heart right. Leaders. This can get pretty exhausting as a pastor. Picked up this article, pastors battle skyrocketing burnout amid politics and pandemic. It's wearing on their soul. A staggering 42% of pastors have considered quitting full-time ministry, according to a recent study. You know, Pastor Wayfield just preached an incredible sermon about going full-time, but there's some of you that are... It says, bitter divisions over politics and the pandemic have uh, seeped into churches and led the increasing rates of job burnout among pastors, multiple clergy members, and those who counsel them, told Fox News Digital. Our faith does not exempt us from anxiety, depression, temptation, or COVID. uh, So that's to be expected, said David Ferguson, the executive director of the Great Commandment Network. Which provides counseling initiatives to help pastors. But in addition to that, we obviously are in a real divided, polarized, politicized world where sadly at times pastors feel the pressure to take positions on every imaginable topic. It says a study of Protestant pastors conducted in March by the faith based research. This just this past March. It says uh, the organization uh, Barma Group suggested that unprecedented numbers are thinking about quitting the ministry. The poll showed that rates of burnout among pastors have risen dramatically during the past year, with a staggering 42% of ministers wondering if they even want to stay in the ministry. In other words, they've already quit. You can do this also as a parent. You can do this as a spouse. A leader. It feels like you are constantly having to keep everything alive and together. And you're overwhelmed. You've quietly quit. You still show up to work. You still preach your sermons, but your heart isn't in it anymore. There are people here. You don't want to do nursery. As a matter of fact, before conference even showed up, you made it clear. You didn't want to do nursery. I know because that's what happened in our conference. I'm talking about people before the pandemic, were more than eager to serve. Now they've come back, cleaning crews have disappeared. Nursery workers, children's church workers, parking lot attendants and leaders. Danger Said, so you become a traitor when you quit quietly. Luke 6 16, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. See, if you're not careful, you become a traitor. The definition of a traitor is a turncoat or a deserter. When we compare, listen, when we compare ourselves to people in the Bible, rarely does anybody compare themselves to Judas. I'm like Job. I'm like the Apostle Paul. You've even compared yourself to Jesus. Let's be honest. How many of us have said, you know what? The condition I'm in right now, I resemble Judas. I've abandoned my pulse." My pastor can't lean on me anymore because I have attitude now. You know why we can't, we don't ever compare ourselves to Judas? Because that's never our intention. No one gets saved and says, man, I want to be a traitor. You drift into that. Like I said, I'm sure when Judas started, he never would have saw himself Trading his relationship with Jesus Christ. You could put your pastor right there. For 30 pieces of silver. But the reality is that people are still trading Jesus this day. Some for silver. uh, Like uh, Pastor Wayfield ministered. Others for friends and family. Others for work. Even for recreation now. I am absolutely blown away. How many vacations people take in a year now? And I'm really blown away when it's a leader, someone that the church is depending on. And then they come up to, you know, hey, pastor, how, are you okay? How do you, would it be okay if I take a vacation? I'm not going to say no to you. You have to have that balance, that conviction for yourself. Well, what if I can afford it and other people can't? Listen, I can afford to take the whole dang year off if I, want, if I want, but I don't. I have responsibilities. Matthew 27, 3 through 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elder, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. You know, trading Jesus for the world is never what we think it's going to be, is it? We are the happiest when we are all in for Jesus. Never one foot in and one foot out. Those, those are the days that. We are most miserable because we are trying to convince ourselves why it's okay to drift and quit quietly. The reality is that that takes a lot of energy. We can never be happy in the world again after we've had an encounter or you've been part of an elite, elite group. When he hasn't trusted you with much, and you say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. Those are the most miserable people in church. Those are the people that have been upset and uptight all conference. You can't even enjoy fellowshipping with the brethren because you're uptight. Again, Matthew 26, 21. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand With me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good if that man had never been born. Jesus says, my church is going to continue to move forward. Let's look at staying in the circle. Remaining to the end, that's the goal. Acts uh, 1, 17 through 19 again, or 20. For he was numbered with us, listen, and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field. With the wages of iniquity and falling head, long he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field called in their own language, uh, Kiyodama, that is field of blood, For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. You know, first of all, it's obvious that this was a special calling that these 12 men had. Can I say to you this morning that your calling is special? Whether you serve in nurseries, whether you serve on the platform, if you're a pillar, doesn't matter. Your calling is special. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. It is not a coincidence, like Pastor Pettis said, Jesus drew you here to give you the part that you have. You can't have your brother's part, he's given us a specific part to play. And it's our job to make sure that we understand that our part is special. Notice that it, it, uh, look at 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice that it says, a special people a generation not a certain person not not one elite star you know what else you have to learn to guard your testimony pastor Warner said last night people are watching us they remember how you came in last conference and they they know they're, they're looking how you're coming in right now You're a pastor You you preach to your people, keep your heart right, you know, serve. Oh, uh, I used to always get spanked up. But now you're getting spanked and now you got an attitude. We're all going to leave a legacy, beloved. The thing about our fellowship and the thing about the San Antonio church is that they all saw us come in. They know how we came in. What they want to know is how are we going to go out? Are we going to go out like Bridget? Is that what they're going to be saying? That we're going to be witnessing in heaven? I remember, man, they used to be on fire. I remember they used to be examples of what leaders are supposed to be. You know what else? Our text tells us that we're all replaceable. Look at verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Now, before you start thinking or saying in your heart, go for it, replace me, I'm done. You'll do me a favor. I remember when we were pioneering in Bolivia, in the nation of Bolivia, my wife had to homeschool my daughter, Amanda, she was uh, like seven and a little devil. And I used to come home from witnessing and all that, and my wife would tell me, please fire me, please. Because she had to homeschool her. Is that you? You're begging God to please fire you. You're going you're gonna to abandon your post. Here's a man that reached the pinnacle, man, of of ministry. One of the first 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. Some of you, that's what you are to your pastor. And he throws it all away, man, for what he thinks is going to be an easier life than having to pick up his cross and follow Christ. And it didn't work out the way he thought it was going to. It never does. I close. You have to learn to guard your heart, number four. Luke 22, 3, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. John thirteen, twenty-six. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. What does it mean Satan entered Judas? We have this imagery like somehow he was demon possessed and all of a sudden his eyes rolled back. And That's not what happened here. What happened is that way before he betrayed Jesus, the devil began to plant seeds in his head. They're using you. They don't even like you. You're not even a part of that circle. It's political here. Unless you're related. Little seeds at a time. And the day comes when Satan enters his heart. But greed was the open door. Or was it? Maybe maybe Judas was jealous of the others. Maybe he looked at John laying his head on on his pastor's shoulders. And he's just watching. He's serving. But he's, man, pastor's closer to him. Pastor uses them in ways that they don't, he doesn't use us. Envy can do that. When you start comparing yourself, your ministry, your position, and your calling to other people's callings. I have a question right now. Who has your heart right now? Have you quit quietly? No one knows, man. You're just, you're not, you're same. You're not, you're you're, you're not the same person. Somewhere along the way, you quit. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning.